today, it's time for revival army training time. <laughs> we are called to be warriors of God who walk in authority, who mean serious business rather than lukewarm, just churchgoers, just attending church and not walking in the spirit throughout the week and not being powerful in the kingdom. No, you're called to be a warrior. And when we say revival is now, a big part of that means that God is raising an army of warriors. Revival isn't about one person, two people, three people, four people, five people. It's about Jesus alone. And Jesus raises his children, his army, to walk in his power. And this is how we see his kingdom advance, is when we all are united, we all raise up in power. It's God's will for every single child of God, true child of God, who is surrendered, humble, childlike, pure. It's God's will for them to walk in his power, to carry his anointing. And so, like, whenever you come here and you see the anointing, you should never... Um, have in your mind that you're just coming to receive the anointing like through me to heal you and deliver you but you should always come with the knowledge or the expectancy that you are coming to receive impartation yourself too that what you see here what you see here moving like the anointing through me that this is supposed to be in you too and that's a big part of the reason why god has brought you here to release that impartation and to release equipping equip you to be able to properly walk in God's power and his anointing and his authority and have victory over the devil. Amen. So today it's revival army training and we're, and we're learning about deliverance today because this is one of the big things that God is restoring in this revival is deliverance. This is so needed in the body of Christ. There are so many people in bondage and God's had enough. The devil's time is up. It's time for his people to be free. And it's time for deliverance to be mainstream in the body of Christ, not obsolete, rare, something hidden, something that you have to try hard to find but that it would be mainstream. It would be common. People would know Jesus is a deliverer. He'll deliver you. He'll free you. You can go to the church and you can get freedom there. Amen. Not just hear a nice sermon and good worship music, but you can get freedom when you go to the church. But in today's time, like most people, they know what they've been. To. A lot of people have been to church at least one time in their life. A lot of people know about church, hear about church, but that's just what they think. To hear a nice message, to listen to worship, to listen to good worship music, sometimes great production. And probably a lot of them are, are hearing um, condemnation preaching, you know, um, rather than the grace and the anointing moving through the preacher and touching them and moving them to repentance and freeing them. So it's time right now that God is, is changing things around. He's beautifying and purifying his bride, his body. It is mega transformation that is taking place in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's been uh, very common for most people to 
to not know about deliverance for so long. I know me, myself, I never knew demons existed today and that they could be cast out of people and that people could walk in the anointing, cast out of demons, out of people. I never knew that was a thing was possible until about 2015. And I was a Christian my entire life, age four. I remember giving my life to Jesus and I went to church at least one or two times every single week my whole life. And I had absolutely no clue until then. And that's really, I'm not a rare example. It, that This is the state of the body of Christ today. So um, the truth's coming out, but so many people do not know about deliverance. We need to be equipped to really have the knowledge, have the spiritual knowledge about deliverance, about the spiritual realm, so that we can help others, so that when others have questions, they have no idea that you can help them, you can teach them, you can explain to them so that they can understand. So today, I'm gonna be equipping you in that area. Well, some of you will be learning brand new things, and some of you will know these things, and you're gonna be equipped in how to help others and explain to others, amen? So we're going to the basics right now. Can Christians have demons? Yeah. Yes, many of you know the answer. Yes, the answer is yes. So how can Christians have demons? Well, the devil, he has been defeated by Jesus on the cross. Amen? But what Jesus did on the cross was destroying the curse that was upon humanity destroying that curse upon us that we were bound by sin, that we, there was a veil between us and God before, that we were stuck in sin and that we would go to hell because of the sin that bound our lives. So Jesus destroyed that curse. He destroyed where the devil had a greater power over us. He destroyed that. Um, and, and this is why the son of a man came to destroy the works of the devil, the Bible says. So, Jesus did that. He, he defeated the devil, but that doesn't mean that the devil disappeared, that the devil's dead. <laughs> the devil is still allowed right now to still move upon the earth and do things and attack people. But what Jesus has done is, is, is he has given us this precious gift of an, an inheritance from him that when we would accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we would receive this inheritance of abundant life. And in that inheritance comes protection from Jesus over the powers of Satan. In that inheritance that Jesus has given us comes authority, authority over the devil, power. Like when we actually use the authority God's given us and we use it properly, the devil is defeated every time. Amen. So what Jesus did on the cross was make a way for us to never have the devil have power over us again, to never be bound by the devil again, but to walk in complete freedom and abundant life. Praise God. So yes, the devil still has attacks, but God will use these attacks to refine us. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. So weapons come, they can look intimidating, but we know that they aren't scary. The devil's a liar. They can't harm us. We need to use our authority now, reject the devil's lies of fear or whatever the lies are saying, speaking against our identity, speaking against our future. 
um, yes, coming with constant thoughts that we don't want to have that go against the knowledge of God, that go against God's will for us. We know these are, these are lies. We know he doesn't have power over us. We know we have the power to reject his lies. And the Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. That's a true principle. It's a promise from God. So we know that when we resist the devil, when we declare his lies to go, his attacks to go, and we speak God's will over our lives, we declare, we prophesy God's truth, God's will. He has to flee. Praise God. So, so what Jesus has done is he has made a way now for us to have victory every day, to keep our peace and joy every day, to have abundant life every day. And yes, there will be fiery trials sometimes, attacks of the devil that God uses to refine us, but those weapons don't prosper. They only make us better. We only go higher and get stronger in the Lord through them. So it's a life of victory, peace, joy, abundant life every day in the mountaintops and the valleys. But the devil's always defeated every day, amen? That's the truth. But here's the thing. This doesn't just automatically happen. This victory over the devil, this guarantee that you won't be bound, this guarantee that the weapons won't formed won't prosper. It doesn't, you, you give your life to Jesus, you say the sinner's prayer, and then you just live however you want. And it's a guarantee. I hate to break it to you, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. And so God has given us his word, the Bible. He's given us his word, which has instructions when the Holy Spirit breathes life revelation onto the word. This is the, the, the roadmap to life, to abundant life. This is the roadmap. It's a blueprint. It, when we really follow his instructions, not with a religious revelation, but from the true revelation of the Holy Spirit. And we really follow and take it seriously, his commands, his word, his many different instructions. And we live, we live in that word. We walk that word out. Then we will have victory over the devil and walk an abundant life. This is where we find it. But it doesn't happen just automatically and you living however you want, but calling yourself a Christian. It happens by following his word. But not just his word, the true revelation from his word. How do we get the true revelation from his word? We need the Holy Spirit. We need humility. And also in Ephesians 4.11, it says that God, the, that, that Jesus, when he ascended, he poured out his spirit upon the flesh, upon believers, and he gave gifts to the body of Christ. And these gifts were apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And the purpose of these gifts that he gave was to equip the body of Christ so that they would no longer be immature, but they would be mature vessels of God. They would no longer be deceived by the devil, and they would even be equipped for works of service. Meaning that with this fivefold ministry in place, this equipping comes so that you are, are able to have victory over the devil, number one, and number two, be a powerful anointed vessel of God yourself, able to help others, able to minister to others, cast out demons out of others, heal others by God's power. Um, but how this, this equipping comes, a big part of this equipping that is not optional, 
but is necessary, is vital. A big part of how this equipping comes is, is the apostles, the prophets, the, the teachers, for example, breaking apart the word and sharing you revelation, what the real revelation is from the Holy Spirit in this word. For example, this is how you have victory over the devil. This is how you're able to resist him and reject him because people read the, the devil, resist the devil and he will flee, but they don't know what that means. So they need teaching, anointed teaching to help them understand this is how you resist the devil. The power of life and death is in the tongue. You are given authority and you need to use your authority by speaking. You need to speak aloud. I reject, I resist that lie, that specific lie. That's a lie from the devil. And I declare God's truth over me. The opposite of that lie, I'm declaring now. I declare this. That's how you resist the devil, for example. One of the ways, one of the ways. But so many people don't know this. They read the Bible, they say, resist the devil and he'll flee. And they don't even know. They just read right past it. And so so much of the Bible, they're just reading to read to be a good Christian. And, but they're not reading it with revelation. They're not getting anything from it. A big part of how you are getting this important revelation is from this equipping, this teaching that comes from the fivefold ministry. Okay, so this is how Christians can have demons. The Bible says, do not give a place, a foothold to the devil. Ephesians 4.27. Do not give the devil a foothold. So this instruction is to believers, is to Christians. Don't give the devil a foothold. If you think about it, if that's an instruction to believers, what's a foothold? The foothold's kind of like leaving the door open a crack or leaving it unlocked. So anybody can come in if they want, if that's what you do. But if you lock it, nobody can come in. So if this Bible is saying two believers do not give a foothold to the devil, that means that if you do give a foothold, the door's open. There's place, there's space, there's room for the devil to enter. So that's one of the ways we know by the instructions that are given in the word of God, such as this. Um, there's so many instructions in the word of God that are telling the believers, it's in the New Testament, that are telling the believers, don't do this, don't do this, don't sin, don't fornicate, don't commit adultery, don't lie, a man should not lay with another man, uh, don't drink, don't get drunk, don't be angry, don't let anger take over you, don't steal, I can go on. But the Bible speaks of so many things to not do and what we need to understand is that God didn't just write the word of God for just him to be a taskmaster or something like, I just want you to follow these rules just because. And he didn't write these just because they please him. Yes, it pleases him when we do these things, but there's a deeper purpose to it. He's writing these things, these instructions for your our good he's writing these instructions so we don't get demons these inst hallelujah these instructions are these instructions when they're saying do not sin and they go and it goes into specifics throughout the word of god so many times so many times we see paul writing these letters but this is teaching you how to not give a foothold to the devil when you do this, you're giving a foothold to the devil. You're opening a door where a demon can come in, where a demon will have legal access to come in because you chose to leave the door open. Thank you, Jesus.
Matthew 6, 22, it says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. So this is once again in the New Testament written for believers. So this is saying that you have the choice to put your eye on light or darkness. And it's saying simply, if you put your eye to the light, to the things of God, then light will come in you. In other words, more of the Holy Spirit, more of his fruits will come in you. And the more of that light that comes in, the more you're transformed into the image of God. But on the other hand, if you choose to put your eye where darkness is, then darkness can come in. So in other words, the scripture is, is saying that you know, if you put your eyes to horror movies, fear can come in through that. Anxiety can come in through that. That's an open door. If you watch porn, a demonic spirit of addiction, of addiction to porn, an impure sexual spirit, spiritual spouse, spirit of lust can come in as you watch that. It also applies to your ears too. What you're listening to, if you're listening to raunchy music, that darkness is coming in and you find yourself even singing aloud these raunchy words, these dark words that are the power of life and death is in the tongue. No matter you're joking or not, <laughs> no matter you're singing along to a song, it's harmless. No, it's not harmless. It's, it's darkness that actually came into you, even though it feels like a nice beat. But deep down, it's darkness and it's, it's coming out of you. So, I mean, and this, this can be even where you're putting, where you're putting your hands masturbating you start to do that then this darkness is coming inside of you impure sexual spirits coming inside of you it applies to every place that you're putting body parts eyes ears hands meditations the things you're meditating on dark things you're meditating on darkness is coming inside of you so we have the choice we have the choice and we when we take the word of god seriously and when we take being equipped seriously, like I want to make sure I'm really hearing the right revelation from God in his word. I want to make sure I'm, I'm planted at a place where God's power is, where I can be equipped, where I can understand really what he's saying. When we take this seriously, then it is not difficult to have abundant life, no oppression, um, completely protected by God. No demon having any power. There's no need to be afraid of demons. There's no, no need to, to be afraid that a demon's going to come in or something when you're serious about taking God's word seriously and following him seriously. Amen? Also, when Jesus tells the, the disciples, and I'm, and I'm equipping you right now, and I encourage you, you know, if you're not taking notes now, watch the message again, because there's a lot that I'm sharing with you today. It's a lot of truth. A lot of people don't have this truth. A lot of people have religious doctrine and they're very adamant about it. And it's not our job to force people to know the truth. It's not our job to, God never forces. He never wants us to force. So, um, but if people are really seeking to understand, this is what this is for, this knowledge for you to have so you can help people. This is how, this is why, amen. So there's a lot today. So I encourage you even to rewatch this and take notes so that you don't miss anything. 
So also in the, in the word of God, Jesus, when he tells the disciples, he says to, to preach the gospel, he says to tell that the kingdom of, say that, the, tell the people that the kingdom of God is at hand and cast out demons and heal the sick. This is the great commission. Jesus says this with so much weight. He doesn't say cast out demons just once in a while, but he puts this right in the same sentence with preaching the gospel. So we know that demons are very prevalent. Demonic oppression is very prevalent in people. Jesus also never says, um, cast out demons only out of unbelievers. He never says that. And also, when someone gives their life to Jesus, they don't immediately lose the demons that they had from living a life in the world. Sometimes they do. I've heard testimonies of some people, the moment they gave their life to Jesus, like sometimes it's immediate, the anxiety left them, the depression left them, the addiction left them. I've heard those testimonies. It happens, praise God. But it doesn't happen all the time. And I would say that those testimonies are more rare. And a big reason why is because God's biggest way of setting his people free is by his anointing that he puts in vessels. And that in the vessels walking in the authority and casting the demons out of people. That's why Jesus says to the apostles, cast out demons. He doesn't say, I'll handle it on my own. This isn't your job. Just preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. And the moment people give their lives to me, to Jesus, uh, they'll, I'll immediately just cast the demons out of them right there. And Jesus doesn't say that. He says, you cast out the demons. It's all God's power. It's all God doing it. But he does it as we walk in authority and tell the demons to go. And then the, his power comes through and casts the demon out. Amen. And also with, with Apostle Peter, is it, we see when we want to look in the Acts Church and we want to see, okay, how were demons cast out? We see the, the example of Apostle Peter where it says the sick and demon possessed came and positioned themselves where Peter was ministering. And his shadow would touch people. And just his shadow touching people would make the demons go and the sick to be healed. And it says all of them were healed. All, all, not 90%, all, hallelujah. We see with Apostle Paul, we see they would bring handkerchiefs and aprons to, to his body. They would bring the handkerchiefs and aprons to the sick and demon-possessed. And the demons would leave, the sick would be healed. So when we, if we want to look in the Acts Church and see, like, how did they do it? How were demons being cast out of people? How were people being healed? These are our examples. They, they positioned themselves where the, the anointing of God was being released and it was simple and easy because it's God's way. And things are simple and simple and not hard when we just simply do things God's way rather than trying to do it our way. When we try to do it our way, it's really hard and impossible. Amen? But when we do it God's way, it's easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light, Jesus says. Hallelujah. And also, a yoke, uh, a, a, a demonic spirit, is a yoke, as it says, the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. It's a work of the devil that the devil has put upon somebody. And what simply what a, whatever you want to call it, a demonic spirit, a demon, demonic oppression, yoke, whatever you want to call it. But when, what that is, is when the devil has brought that on a person and that person is has like a chain around them in the spiritual realm, a demonic chain, where as much as they try to seek God and do all the right things, do all the things that the word of God says, no matter what they do, 
that chain still remains around them. By that chain, I mean a control, a domination, where um, addiction is a great example. If you want to take drug addiction, alcoholic addiction, porn addiction, um, most people do not want to stay in their addiction. I think for some people it's fun and whatever for the beginning, a couple days or a week or something. But after that, most people do not want the addiction still. And there's a lot of believers that don't want the addiction and they're trying everything to stop because they love God. And it's hell, the addiction on top of that. And they try everything. They try in their hardest might to stop. But it is like there's a force that's controlling them to do the addiction, they find. And that's because it is. That's a demonic spirit. It's a chain. You can't break it on your own. You need the anointing to destroy that yoke. So if a believer um, decides to drink or do drugs, will a believer be protected from being addicted where a non-believer who takes the same amount of drugs and alcohol will no, they will not be, it'll be the same thing. Why? Because it's simple. Whether you're a believer or unbeliever, opening up a door to a demon, a demon can come in. It's a, it's a simple principle. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay, so the Holy Spirit, when you gave your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God himself, owns you. You belong to him. You are his child. You don't belong to anybody else. Only Jesus and when you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you, makes your spirit to come alive. And so your, your spirit, because that's the real you, a spirit, and you have a soul and you live in a body, a physical body, but your spirit becomes one with God. And that's where Holy Spirit literally lives in you, in the place of your spirit. And that's the realest you. That's the real you. Not your soul, not your body, but the real you, the you that goes to heaven, lives eternally, is your spirit. Amen? So, no demon can own you if a person has a demon. They can never own you. So they do not possess you. A person can have, can have a demon, have demonic oppression, where the de demonic spirit is in the soul or the body, but not in the spirit. The demonic spirit doesn't touch the spirit. So that's why the Holy Spirit and a demon can be there in the physical body. Holy Spirit is in your spirit. Demon is not there in the spirit. And demon does not, the demon does not own you. But it does have control of a part of an area of your life. I was looking up the definition of possess. Possess, it, it says, a synonym of it is dominate. Um, one of the definitions, and this is interesting because whoever writes the dictionary probably does not have the spiritual knowledge that they need to write this definition, but this is what they wrote, okay? But it's important to know that. Uh, of a demon or spirit have complete power over someone and be manifested through their speech or actions. So according to that definition that we have in the English language, that's not true. That's not, so you're not possessed according to that definition, um, because a demon doesn't have complete power, complete ownership. Amen? And if, if no matter how many demons a person can have, when they really are a believer, 
God still overpowers in the sense of like, he will give you enough, um, enough uh, sound mind and ability to position yourself to be free. Get to where the power of God is to be free. Even if it's tuning on, in online, I remember there's this one woman, I don't know if she's here today. If you are, you can raise your hand. But a few weeks ago, she was on the Zoom live and she said that she's been wanting to come here to Fivefold Church. She lives like, I don't know, an hour or so away some, in this area. But she was bound by a spirit of anxiety where she, couldn't, she, could not, she could not come and be around people. She could not. But I prayed for her and glory to God, Jesus set her free on the live. Yes. And... And I said, I said to her, I said, um, we'll see you next week. You can come now. And she came the next week. Anybody remember it? Remember her? That was a few weeks ago. She came. Praise God. And God delivered her more. So um, it also says, for possess, dominate the mind of, have an overpowering influence on. Dominate the mind of, have an overpowering influence on. Um, that can, that can, we can see how that happens to some people where she literally couldn't come to church. So there was an overpowering influence there. Um, and so I, I mentioned this definition because I hear there's, there's so much chatter about like possessed versus oppressed and everything. And there's so much, there's so much debate in the body of Christ. Can Christians have demons or not? And, and, and it's become so technical and kind of overcomplicated, honestly, where when we read in the word of God, Jesus isn't common with technical terms. As very simple, he says, cast out demons. So cast out, I mean, this is sim simple. I mean, and I, and in this revival, one of the big things that God is doing is restoring the simplicity of the gospel, the power of God in simplicity, that God's that, that we don't need to overcomplicate things with too many words, with too much physical effort, with too much entertainment, all these different things overcomplicating and overpowering the simplicity of God's power. So God's restoring the simplicity, the simplicity of the gospel and just the simplicity of him and his kingdom so the simplicity of casting out demons, uh, of the fact that cast out means that there's a, there's a demon in. There's a demon in that needs to be cast out. Simple. Simple. So we do, I, I don't think we should overcomplicate things too much and have all of these. I don't think we're spending a good time as Christians debating vocabulary and everything when... The, the, the dictionary is not even written by spiritual people. You know what I mean? So, I mean, when, I mean, when you think about it, when someone, when you see someone being manifesting, sometimes a demon has literally in the moment, it completely possesses the person. Like the person's gone, like consciously they're gone and is speaking out of the mouth completely. And sometimes if God is leading me to ask a person to renounce, I have to command Stop overtaking the person completely, basically. I say, allow the person to speak. That's what I'm saying. Stop possessing them completely. So I just say that to say that I think we should not, we should not be hung up so much on the, on the just making things technical and overcomplicated. A person has a demon. They are bound by a demon, and they need freedom. They, they need to be set free. We need to cast the demon out of them.
Amen. Hallelujah. So there is, there is wrong teaching out there that Christians can't have demons. And like I said before, it's not our job to force people to understand. It's not, our, it's not the greatest use of time to get in this debate when someone's not open to hearing and understanding. So we should be wise with how we um, share our passion about deliverance and seeing people be free. Amen. Um, don't don't get hung up too much when you're seeing people so adamantly stand on this side. We're in, we're pioneering right now. It's the beginning of the end time revival, so that comes hallelujah. So that comes with patience, patience, understanding that not everyone will get it. Not everyone's eyes will open up right away. Let us not be distracted and bogged down. Let us stay focused and stay on fire for Jesus and be at full capacity for him and not drained unnecessarily. Amen. But I, I want to share some understanding. I think, well, people who don't will, will, will so adamantly say there's no way demons can have Christians for one of the reasons is pride. Be, um, some, many times, I mean, many times ministers themselves need deliverance and there is no shame in that. Hallelujah. So that's, that's why, to give us an understanding, why we see sometimes ministers so adamant in this, is they might need freedom in an area themselves, and they don't want to admit it. They shouldn't have shame, but they do. Um, and also it could be pride, like maybe they're seeing a movement of the Holy Spirit in some way, but they're never seeing demons manifest in people. So they might think, well, if I don't see it here, it must be... Because why wouldn't it? But if we are not open to God moving however he wants, he won't move in different ways. So if we are resistant to, have, to having demons manifest in believers in our church, then that anointing won't come upon the demons and the demons will hide comfortably and laugh. <laughs> so it's time we... It's time we... And I speak to, to, to leaders out there, ministers out there, those of you watching... Let's just humble ourselves and let's have a heart to see people be free. Let's have a heart for God to move in new ways. Let's have a heart for God to have his way in us too, to bring freedom and abundant life to us too. Hallelujah. And we really must, we must stop with the shame. My heart breaks if I ever hear people or ministers saying, Christians cannot have a demon. They must not really be a Christian. My heart breaks when I hear that. And if you've ever heard that, you're going to be free today from the pain that came from that. So first of all, um, there's no reason for anyone to ever have shame if they need deliverance. Never. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But number one, Sometimes demons come at no fault of your own, not because you've opened a door. Demons come from abuse sometimes. Demons can come from, from rape, from molestation, from sexual abuse, from domestic abuse, from verbal abuse. There's many people who get demonic oppression at a young age because they were bullied, because people spoke words of death over them. Now, 
it doesn't mean that automatically if people speak words of death over you, you're going to get a demon, but you do need to be equipped. And even children can be equipped, amen, but, they, but they're not getting, they haven't been getting it until now. You know, like if someone bullies you today, if someone speaks a word of death over you today, what do you do? You use your authority in Christ Jesus. You resist the devil and you make him flee, right? You say, I reject that. That's a lie. That's Satan. That's not truth. I know who I am. I'm a beloved child of God. I'm the royalty of Christ. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And the devil's a liar. That's not truth. I reject that lie and I declare who I am. And that's how you're free. But if you decide to receive that as truth and you start to meditate on it, and then you even start to speak it over yourself. I think I'm not smart enough. I think I'm not pretty enough. I think I'm not this or that. You start to speak these things. That's the action of opening up the door to a demon. And you can get a demon just from that, just from that. So many people, they have got demons from when they were a child because they were bullied, because they were abused and they weren't equipped to reject the devil. So they instead open the door unknowingly. So many times demons come from not this like, oh, I'm evil and I'm gonna sin and open a door because I'm lukewarm. A lot of the time it doesn't happen that way. It happens unknowingly because people are not equipped and the devil knows where the weak spots are. He knows where to come in that same area to make that door bigger and bigger opened for him to come in. Also, demons also come sometimes from generational curses. Here's an example. When there is a certain sickness like cancer that is in every generation, or sometimes it skips a generation, but it's there generation after generation, that is spiritual. That is demonic. That is a generational curse. Generational curses can be many things. Addiction. There's some people whose dad was an alcoholic. Their grandfather was an alcoholic. They're an alcoholic. It's a generational curse. And um, poverty is another one. When generation after generation is in poverty and, and, and is stuck, it's like whatever they try to do, they, they work, it's not like they're lazy, they're working hard, but they are stuck in poverty. That's a generational curse. And some people have demons from before they were saved. As I said, not everyone, most people don't lose the demons the moment they become a believer. They had anxiety before, they give their life to Jesus and they find more peace, but they still find these panic attacks sometimes come out of nowhere, right? Also, as I mentioned before in the very beginning, that you need to be equipped. You need to understand the deeper things in the spiritual realm so you can know all the devil's sneaky ways. Otherwise, you can be unknowingly opening up doors to demons. And so... You know, I, 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 I've been teaching, uh, like last month, I taught a lot about relationships, demonic soul ties, and a lot of people, God's not calling you to keep everybody close and be, and, and giving everybody access to your life. And when you do that, you can be opening up doors to demons if you allow the wrong people in your life. But there's some people that aren't equipped, and so they're thinking they're doing the right thing. They think they're being loving and selfless when they're opening up doors to demons. So there's so many different areas where people have not been equipped and they have opened up doors to demons. They have sinned, but they didn't mean to sin. They didn't mean to open up the door to the demon, but they weren't equipped. Their eyes weren't opened up in certain areas. You see why you should not have shame to have a demon and we should never shame people for having demonic oppression?
And even if you sinned knowingly, you knew better, you were living lukewarm, and that's how the door was opened up. Even then, when you repent, when you repent, Jesus has forgotten that sin immediately. You are clean, you are pure, you're forgiven. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. This freedom is for every single one of you that need it. It's for all of you. It's available for all of you. Jesus is available for all of you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.